Hi friends, welcome to Take 3 Talks. I'm Miss Steffi and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm going to bring you part two of my conversation with Carlos Sotomayor from Blot. And to be honest, I have been dreading um, editing this past few weeks. And before I started this conversation, I just wanted to give you a quick, just, I guess, not necessarily life update, but just life advice, currently update, kind of how I am. And I just want to tell you that you need to put yourself first and that your business can't thrive if you are not okay and if you're not thriving and if you're not putting yourself first and you know these times of the year you know November and December are always really tough for Majun and I and we're actually going on quote-unquote vacation we're just taking time off next week um, starting from December 20th and we're excited to off and to be able to take care of ourselves and put ourselves first for a second and not focus on our business for a second and I was thinking about not releasing this part of the podcast because you know I have been dreading editing and it's been so much work and I put so much effort into this podcast episodes and I just hope that you guys get to really enjoy them and I hope that you guys enjoy them and I know that there are people here that feel accompanied when I released an episode and I know that I'm doing this for me and to have these memories and to remember these times of my life when I was very emotionally exhausted and I guess I wanted to share with you an amazing conversation that I had with Caro and editing it and recording it made me really emotional because you know, we're trying our best. And I think you're going to love this conversation. And I'm so emotional, my voice is going to break. So I'm just going to leave you with a little nugget of who Caro is and a little nugget of our conversation so you can enjoy it and get to know us. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Merry Christmas. And I'll see you for part three of this episode. Okay. Thank you for being here. You're being watched. And maybe that pressure is good nowadays. It just feels like a lot, especially when I'm doing it on my own. And I'm like, I'm so bound to make mistakes in the process. And I'm like, oh, what if I make a huge mistake? And so that's why I lean on to making my brand very like human and very clear that it's me behind this and that I will make mistakes and that I make mistakes every day. So you know, if I do, I'm sorry, but I'm trying my best. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's one thing here that it's so funny that I wrote this and I wanted to talk to you about this because you sent a newsletter yesterday and I absolutely loved it. If you're not signed up to the newsletter, Blood's newsletter, go to their link in bio on their Instagram at Somos (laughs) Blood. It was really nice because the thought that I have here is Believing in yourself and just moving forward when you don't know what to do and you feel like maybe you should just quit while you're ahead. I feel like as entrepreneurs and people who want to create something, we're constantly thinking about all the future steps and all the things that we need to do and all the things that we need to accomplish in order for this little product or service or whatever it is that needs to launch. But sometimes 
you don't know what you're doing most of the times i think we don't know what we're doing like we know what we're doing but not really you know we're just kind of going with our instincts and maybe you feel like maybe should i just quit while i'm ahead like should i just quit while you know for example when you were first starting blog should i just quit before i get investors or before i get someone to help me with the business like how did you go from like okay i'll have i have this idea and this once and i'll go into my masters my business masters and then this was the project that you did in your masters right like how how did you go from like okay this is an idea now now let's do it because it's Mm -hmm. very different than me for example i sell my services and take the studio we didn't really need to invest so much capital right in order to start selling our services and getting clients or making up projects even but you did need capital and you didn't need like people and a team and all Mm -hmm. these things like how did you manage to not just like quote unquote quit while you were ahead because of all like the fears maybe of starting something on your own because you said you also wanted to have a stable income or you wanted Mm -hmm. to have a stability so now (laughs) you're kind of taking a whole leap of faith into like the instability of your own business so tell me a little bit about that well in terms of the stability I think not living with my parents really helped teach me a huge lesson about money and like just knowing that money is gonna come like no matter what happens somehow you can make money like and if you need money you're gonna make it happen and so in that aspect I think that's part of why I was able to quit the other job because I also was like I'm not happy like money and I'm not even getting paid very well. So like, why am I fighting for this thing that is just making me unhappy? And I can barely pay my rent with this. And that's just rent. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, I, I think my master's was a great driver for me not giving up. I think I've told you this before, but I, I was like a quitter until then. <laughs> like mm. I quit every single thing I did. Um, every sport, every hobby, I just got bored and I would quit. And I think one of my biggest fears with starting any kind of business, I was like, what if I quit? Like, what if it's one more thing that I like do all this work and I tell all these people and I tell myself that I'm going to do it. And then three months later, I'm like, "Uh, I'm kind of bored with this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave it there. And so I think that was my biggest fear, letting myself down in that way. But it also became my biggest driver, too. Um, And then with my master's, it was kind of like, okay, my master's thesis is going to be this. And that's going to give me like the structure to really feel like it's something that I'm already working on, even though I'm not like technically doing the panties and sewing stuff like I'm already like planning it out. And also, this is not to say that you need a master's like now I realize that. 90% of the things that I learned in my master's I am not using yet because when you take a course or when you do a master's they are always teaching you about this humongous companies that need millions of dollars in capital and that make millions of dollars every year and they have these humongous teams and you're it's a little overwhelming when you are just starting because you're like well I don't think I'm going to be that yet. Like, I hope so, but I don't think I'm going to be like a millionaire after like the second year of this (laughs) company. Like that is just not, I'm not creating like Facebook. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like with 
what I wanted to do, one of the biggest obstacles was actually not knowing how to do it. I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not a seamstress. Never done it in my life. I wanted to be a fashion designer when I was like 13. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that ended quickly. Um, So, I mean, it was just like a, a whole process of me getting a little stronger and taking my time to do my research well, which I think is also really important. Like, I try to do what I could do by myself first Mm. so I was going around Quito like looking for the shops where I could find the fabrics and seeing if the fabric that I was looking for would be made or sold here I found found out it didn't Um, and you know I think I discovered a lot of things in the process of kind of just trying to do it on my own Um, but then I quickly like you know, I realized that I couldn't do it by myself. I didn't want to have like a partner um, because I'm very individualistic Mm -hmm. in that aspect. And I had a very clear idea of what I wanted to create, like Mm -hmm. in the sense of like the image and just like the whole imagery of the brand. I had that very clear. And so I didn't want to share it with anyone, (laughs) but I knew I had to share some of it because I didn't have the knowledge or the talent to actually make the product so um at first it was my own investment as well I had some savings and I was like I'm gonna start doing it little by little I bought some textile samples that ended up being a lot of textile samples um and just like trying out and literally pouring water over textiles to see how they worked and once I had like my formula that's when I like decided that I needed other people um and then you know eventually it came to I need more money (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I was gonna apply to funds but I'm really bad at pitching ideas in Mm -hmm. the like traditional pitching style of like Mm -hmm. you know you present it to a jury and like so that's a fear what makes you say that you're bad at it I think I just I don't know if I'm bad at it because I haven't done it but I'm very lazy at doing these whole like presentation videos that I feel Mm. like I'm gonna want to make them super elaborate and like it's gonna take me forever and I'm like I I just don't want to I don't want to prepare for that (laughs) and so um I'm very fortunate to have my parents help and so they decided well my dad decided that this was a good idea and he was like he sat down with me and for the first time I felt like he treated me as a real adult And we sat down and I made a presentation for him. And I was like, I will pay you every cent that you invest in this company, but I want your money. And he (laughs) was like, okay, um, this sounds like a really good idea. I think it has a lot of like potential. He gave me all of his advice and then he helped me out economically. So I was very lucky to have that because that allowed me to pay literally until launch Mm -hmm. and Everything since then is being paid by like whatever I sell. And it's just so gratifying to because a lot of people will think like, oh, your dad gave you the money. Like, that's no big deal. You probably don't even have to pay him like back, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's like for me, it's not like that at all. Like for me, it's more serious, I think, than if anyone else would have given me the money just because there's a lot more at stake with my relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. I feel like 
he's finally looking at me with different eyes and Mm. I can feel that and it's just so gratifying that I'm like I want to be able to tell him like here's your money like I don't know when but like someday I'll be able to go to him and give him back everything he invested in this and that's really gratifying to me so so he took like an angel investor role yeah like he's not in the weeds with you it's not like he's a chunk of the company or anything it's more like an angel investor yeah he just wanted to help me out um and it's it's nice because he's a businessman too Mm -hmm. and so he teaches me a lot of what he knows Mm -hmm. and I take whatever I think I can use I can't use everything he gives to me but it's it's been really nice in that respect as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's really nice. And I think, yeah, just giving yourself the chance and the opportunity to develop something that you once thought was just like a little project and also push yourself to realize that you are not a quitter. I wanted to talk something that you spoke about with Billy actually in her podcast, uh, Solo Pregunta by Billy Sanchez U. You guys talked a little bit about something that we've talked about before as well. Pharma versus like the natural. And I feel like there's always a little bit of a, um, not like fight or controversial things. It's just, I think it's a dialogue that sometimes gets a little bit hurtful when you get to talk about, oh, do these things naturally with like homeopathic things and all these things, but never take pills or never do this or never do that with like the pharmaceutical side of things. And I know that when we first started talking in Take the Uni about blot, it was like, I don't want to be that person that's just talking about like all the plans. And I also don't want to talk about like, don't use this and don't use that. And like, this is bad for you. And I love how you've been able to focus on like their panties that help you stop using sanitary pat like their pads, like yeah. pads and tampons, right? Like it's not about stop using them, you shaming them or like you shouldn't yeah. do that or use the cup or be it's it's more about like if you get this, you'll be able to replace something that is not good for the environment. And it also happens not to be good for us as well yeah. um, as people who menstruate. But you've always been very vocal uh, about how you don't want to be part of that conversation of pharma versus natural. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that. And in in terms of like crafting the communication and how you wanted to portray your brand and dream about this brand, how did you decide to kind of wiggle in between that little river <laughs> of pharma versus natural? <laughs> I that's a very like huge topic for me because it happens to me with like these specific selling techniques that I've seen happening now and on social media on the people I follow and I've had to unfollow a lot of people because I feel very attacked when people tell me that whatever I'm doing isn't like the best for me or good enough even good at all (laughs) like I'm like killing my body or whatever um and it happens with a lot of different types of businesses and we've talked about it and I think one thing that you know even you told me like why do you feel so triggered from this like Mm -hmm. why does it create such a reaction in you that you just like I get like really like heated like I'm like why (laughs) And, you know, I've been analyzing it because, yeah, we talked about this with Billy. And then I listened to myself in her podcast. And I was like, I'm really angry about it. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's just like 
now that we have all this information and that we're so exposed to everyone's opinions and everyone's businesses as well like in on Instagram that was originally something where you could be creative and just share the pictures of your trip instant (laughs) yeah (laughs) instant pictures of whatever you were doing now has become this place that for a lot of people is super triggering in different ways and I've been analyzing like the selling techniques that people that I follow are using and I'm just thinking okay me reacting badly to that sales technique says more about me than about them maybe and I obviously analyze myself and I think about it um but I definitely don't want to repeat it in my Instagram account and Blot's Instagram account um because I just I don't want to be preachy Mm. and I don't want to tell anyone what to do Mm. and especially when it comes to our bodies you know like each of us is a universe and we're all going through different stuff and you know now that I've had you know Blot's account for a few months like I've just received so many messages from people telling me personal stories of like how their bodies have been harmed in the past and and I'm just thinking, you know, this is a new kind of harm that we're doing to each other, you know, telling each other like what you're doing is wrong. Mm. You should do as I do, as mm. I tell you to do, because mine is better. Mm. And, you know, I could do the same thing. Yeah, you're not zero waste enough. You know, mm-hmm. you're not doing enough effort to save the planet. Mm. But that would be hypocritical of me because I'm not doing enough effort mm-hmm. to save the planet. And I know it. And I could torture myself with it, but I choose not to. And therefore, I choose not to torture anyone else with it either. And so I've definitely made the effort to offer it as an alternative Mm. and to highlight the fact that because we're all so different, there isn't one single product that fits everyone's needs, you know. And some people have told me I'm allergic to pads. Like, I can't use pads. Other people have told me, You know, I've been through abuse. I don't want to use the menstrual cup. Mm -hmm. I don't want to use a tampon. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, great. Now you have another choice. Mm -hmm. Like all the better, you know. And I just always want to be careful with that because I feel like if it's something that triggers me, it probably triggers someone else. Mm -hmm. And the same happens with uh, birth control methods. Mm -hmm. You know, like I take birth control pills and I have like so many issues with the fact that I do that. Like believe me I think about it every time I take the pill which is every single day of the month Mm -hmm. and so whenever I hear like I see these reels of people saying like you're just hiding all your problems like Mm -hmm. under a pill like I'm just so triggered because I'm like you don't know me you don't know my story you don't know my life (laughs) yeah like you don't know that you know for me like one of the biggest symptoms of my PCOs was acne severe acne and that traumatized me and some people might say you know oh you're so vain like acne is just like a couple sits on your face it's like no no honey Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a lot more and it was a lot more for me I definitely don't want to go back to that and so I've had conversations with Michelle from Fimbria and Mm -hmm. I wanted to take her course on uh I don't know how you call it in English um but you know it's a natural method of preventing a pregnancy and so on and I couldn't do it and I told her I was like I think I'm severely traumatized by my acne Mm -hmm. and I'm just not ready to ditch the pill because I know there are other birth control methods it's just that my the birth control method that I was given 
helps prevent other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I really think that, you know, for me, it has been really important to respect other people's boundaries and their decisions on their bodies and, you know, do what you have to do. Just be yeah. informed about it. And yeah. if we have enough information you know, about what tampons and pads are doing to our bodies or what they're doing to the planet, then maybe you will choose something different, but you don't have to. And that's the great thing about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely what I want to reinforce with Blot. Yeah, I really love that. I I, um, I think there's so many nuggets there. Um, when I started taking the pill, I was probably, I guess when I was really young, I used like other methods you know like the day after pill one time and whatever and like you said in the podcast it's like and what Billy said is like I just don't want to even play around with the idea of maybe making a mistake and not yeah like <laughs> counting my like temperature correctly or whatever it is that you by mistake end up pregnant and this is not to shame anybody that wants to be pregnant or that ends up being pregnant whatever it mm-hmm. is but this is just not something that either of us like the three of us are ready or want to go into and I remember when I first um started taking birth control was after I graduated college and I was actually sexually active and I remember you Mm -hmm. mentioned this and it was like it would be really nice if they gave you the option that if you're not sexually active maybe you don't need to go into the birth control yeah and maybe you can have other options and that's not something that's given to us as women um or as people who need birth control um and I went crazy. I actually, mm-hmm. not only did I gain almost 100 pounds, like I was the biggest I've ever been. And I was so insecure. And I've always had issues with my body dysmorphia and like, um, you know, bulimia and all of the things. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was also having such a hard time because that was the year that we were applying for our visas, like for our work visas and the sponsorships. And I would literally come in and cry every single day and I was so depressed and I was like what is happening to me and I was even angrier and that I normally was and on top of all the trauma that I had never even like acknowledged Mm -hmm. I had now been given something that actually truly affected my body in a way that I couldn't control yeah like birth control is great but you can't control that shit yeah no what it does to you chemically is outrageous so i actually because i used to go to planned parenthood in new york because i didn't have a job i was a latino woman i was 21 years old so i actually was able to thanks to planned parenthood afford birth control and afford gynecologist visits and all of those Mm -hmm. things and i went back and i was like hey like this birth control is really not working Mm -hmm. for me like i I am going insane so they switched me to another one and then that one made me even crazier and then i ended up with the nuva ring Mm. and the ring was amazing the ring was great yeah. so good uh i know your penis can't feel it when you have sex <laughs> um so at least that's what my dream said but, <laughs> but <laughs> you have to trust him yeah so just like the nuva ring was amazing because it was you're not actually intaking their hormones mm-hmm. um so that was really nice and i used a nuva ring up until probably 2019 that we moved mm-hmm. from new york and i actually stopped birth control um yeah. Just because I started doing like the thermometer method and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're sexually active and when you actually start understanding your period and the the first months, I think, of like the thermometer method, um, yeah. 
you really start getting in touch with your body in a mm-hmm. really new way and it's really interesting now i truly understand when am i ovulating just because yeah. of the way that my vagina feels mm-hmm. you know so there's something really nice about not taking birth control yeah. or not having that extra thing because like you said it's like it's a placebo method you don't actually have your period you don't actually yeah. have like normal regular cycles and that i lost my period for a whole year after mm-hmm. i stopped my birth control um i actually didn't get it until the day after i moved to ecuador mm. um i think there was a connection there with yeah. like my trauma and stuff and letting go but yeah i basically lost my period for a whole year after that and i got really bad agony and like my chin area and it was really painful and mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's just um a very interesting and complex i think conversation and i love that you don't want to shame people because if we go to protests and we say my body my choice who am i to make you have my choice you know exactly it's your body it's your choice it's my body it's my choice yeah so and i think we do it unconsciously too Mm -hmm. like i think it's just i don't i think a lot of people just don't have a bad intention it's just you know, we're always told you have to sell your product and you have to convince people that your thing is better than the yeah. other one. And so how do I convince you? I have to tell you that what you're doing right now isn't as good as what I am yeah. offering you. So it's kind of, it's subconscious too. And and I think it's important that we talk about it. And I think it's important to have honest conversations like the one I had with Michelle. Like mm-hmm. I was ready to take her course, but something was stopping me. And I just told her like listen I can't do it right now and yeah. it's okay like I felt like she wasn't you know like oh shame on you you're not doing it right yeah. now I didn't feel attacked so I think that's the kind of conversations we need to have as well and be open about when we feel uncomfortable with an offering as well yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that I love this conversation and um the next little thought starter that I have is um just a few points that I think you guys talked in the podcast that I wanted to say, yeah. like <laughs> when you guys mentioned that there should be, you know, a class in school that teaches men and women and anything that you are about, you know, menstruating, about your cycles, about mm-hmm. what is going on in a woman's body. Like, why is your classmate more angry? Yeah. It's not just like, oh, she has a period. You know, okay i don't like that like and i actually have this here i'm like at at the school that we went to you actually had to do like a pregnancy project and we actually had a fucking baby like and they still didn't teach me like about how do i actually make a baby like what (laughs) happens like when in the month like it's not like i can just make a baby any time of the month like like, but we actually have to take care of a child but nobody taught me how do you make a child like it's insane that project is crazy yeah It's, it's really cool but i do think that but it's just like trying to scare you. Yeah. It's it's literally just trying to scare you. I did not learn anything from that project <laughs> except that my back hurt and I, <laughs> and I looked really, really ugly with a huge belly. Like we have pictures of that week. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh God, like and why are there like six teenagers with humongous bellies in and the I, football field like and you had to do like social experiments like yeah. you had to go to corfu and like the yeah. mall and like whatever it's like literally just shaming people you. yeah how people like <laughs> just look at you bad and like oh i better not get pregnant because people are gonna look at you yeah. bad but they don't teach you anything about your period and like how does it work and like they teach you a banana and they show you a condom but it's like yeah. I-, I just think that in order for people and brands and entrepreneurs and whatever to not have toxic conversations and selling strategies, toxic selling strategies, 
we need to even understand what the hell it is that we're like who we are as human beings how their body works like how can you not shame someone on doing something else if we were never even taught from when we were little like what what is it that's happening to us and how is it that our body even moves and i don't know i just think that there's so much in education that needs to change in order for us to even start having more open honest vulnerable accepting conversations that doesn't mean you better do what i'm saying or you're not doing it right or you're doing something that's too pharmaceutical you're doing Mm -hmm. something that's too natural yeah um yeah and then the other thing was uh, something that you said which was tener la menstruación en conjunto uh, menos a voces um, mm-hmm. because I think we don't talk about menstruating we don't talk about sex we don't talk about addictions we don't talk about even disordered eating mm-hmm. like we only talk about it from such a shaming standpoint yeah. that this is something that I wanted to talk to you about in blood that is like how do you even like manage to have a brand that's literally in the eye of the stigma mm-hmm. you know uh because you're literally selling something to a culture that is very not necessarily open and talkative about yeah menstruation and sex and different people and inclusivity and bodies and the fact that not not just women menstruate and yeah, yeah i just think that there's so much with what you're doing with blah and trying to have a more honest vulnerable open like conversation where everybody has a seat at the table Mm -hmm. rather than just being like okay i'm creating like panties that save the earth Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't be using anything else because Mm -hmm. it's horrible for everything else and i really like that i really like that you constantly push yourself to try and put those seats and those chairs for people to come and have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, and I really like that. <laughs> yeah, mm. I think it's it's been a, a huge challenge for me because I immediately, after I started the Instagram account, I felt like this needed to be something very relatable mm. so that people would open up about it because I was like, how how do I have these conversations with my friends, but I don't see this happening in public? You know, mm-hmm. we're always having them like in my house, like when in the living room, like, yeah. and I just decided that I needed to shed my like stigma and my layers of prejudice and shame around my body, about my bodily fluids, about everything that has to do with me and also the way I look at other people's bodies as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm still working on it because I think it's, it's a lifetime of like (laughs) work that one has to do. I don't think there's an end to it Mm -hmm. because I think you just keep learning and you keep receiving this information from other people that are telling me more and more about their experiences, either with like their bodies and sexual assaults or their bodies and menstrual products and how traumatizing it has been for them to you know use a pad that gives them a rash like Mm -hmm. and that they're allergic to now Mm -hmm. and so like I just feel like these conversations need a place to be in a safe place to be in but I need to be that example first Mm -hmm. so like you know I'm thinking like 
how to make people show themselves in panties like you posted that reel you know yeah no one has done that with blot and i've already sold like 40 something blots Mm -hmm. so how has that not happened yet Mm -hmm. and i'm like i have to be the one to show them Mm -hmm. you know i have to show them that it's okay to talk about this to say the word menstruation to feel sexy and during your fucking period you know Mm -hmm. it's okay like no one's gonna kill you and they shouldn't and you shouldn't be judged for that and so many other things that you know make up this whole world of prejudices and things that we have to just eliminate but we have to eliminate them little by little sadly Mm -hmm. we can't do it all at once so yeah I think it's just like interesting how it has challenged me first Mm -hmm. and like now I just feel so I feel a huge desire to cross that line of like you're showing yourself too Mm. much you know Mm. because that's what you will get like my mom told me like the first time I posted something in the thong she was like I I could not believe you did that (laughs) And she was like, but then I thought, you know, I don't think she cares what I think. And I was like, yeah, I don't care what you think. Now I don't care because I need that message to go out. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not the first to do it, then how can I expect other people to do it? If I don't talk about it, I can't expect someone to talk about it, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think it comes from me and then it expands out. Or at least that's like the strategy that I'm using to create that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, 100%. It needs to come from you. It needs to come that you need to show what you want people to do in order for them to even get a hint of courage to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much like even just societal trauma. Like you're wearing your underwear. It's like, I I could be wearing a bikini too. Like what's so different (laughs) between like Kylie Jenner putting her ass out in like a beautiful bikini versus you putting your ass out wearing blocks. Yeah. Like, why is that so much more? <gasps> oh, my God. It's not underwear. Like, that's yeah. just so much. Like, it just, it feels like we put so much pressure just in the, like, the thought, the fact that it's, like, interior underwear. wear. Like, underwear, yeah. you know, it's, like, something that you're not supposed to see. Like, your bra shows. Oh, no, like, your bra strap shows. Yeah. Like, that's just so bad. You better wear a strapless <laughs> bra. And it's, like. And it's, it's like, also me. Like, yeah. the people who know me. Like, the other day, I think one of my cousins started following blogs. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. He's going to see me in underwear. Like, <laughs> like about a thousand posts from here on, on now. And, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, you know what? That's just who I am now. Yeah. Like, I am this person. And I love it. And I have no shame for it anymore. Like, Today I posted a picture of my butt on stories like a boomerang and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And then I was like, it's okay. Like, it's just a butt. Like, yeah, you know, it's, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's yeah. just a little exercise that I do every day with myself. <laughs> yeah. I love that because you're showing people what you want them to do as well. And I think it gives us all just a little bit like a breath of fresh air. Um, mm-hmm. And the first question that I want to do when we're first really getting into blogs, <laughs> according to my um, one hour <laughs> <laughs> podcast, um, I want to I want you to tell me where did the name come from? The name like, you know, I know, but I want you to tell the listeners um, where did the name come from and a little bit of the brand message, the values and the concept behind it, even though we've already kind of touched mm-hmm. upon it because of you. 
Um, but tell us more from like the blot side of like mm-hmm. the perspective, not just like the Cado side of the brand, mm-hmm. but where did the name come from? How did you start putting together like the concept and the colors and the values, the message and the communication strategy? Just tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes of like blot. Mm-hmm. Um, the name came from my desire to detach from the common like connections that we make between menstruation and all of these elements that we were talking about before like the moon flowers and like you know this little like v-shape that you always see like mm-hmm. that it's a woman like closing her yeah. legs but it's just the v and you know it's like it's supposed pubes. to be her vagina yeah um and so i wanted to detach from that because i felt like it was hyper feminized and even though I don't identify as non-binary, I really f- didn't feel like I identified at all with any of those symbols. Um, and I just felt like the reusable products that I was seeing here in Ecuador were always very linked to that. It was very obvious all the time. And it was very, very feminine. And so I was like, I want to create something fun like I want to I want menstruation to be fun like I don't want this to be like a dread you know because we all treat it as a dread even the way we call it like in Spanish like me enferme, I'm sick like mm-hmm. you're not sick like this <laughs> is just natural um and so I wanted to play with like the word blood but I don't I didn't want it to be like blood and super bloody <laughs> So, yeah, I just looked for words that would, like, denote that, but would also, like, not be super obvious in Spanish. Um, And then, like, when I started designing the logo with Maria Jose Rodriguez, um, I was very clear in the fact that I just didn't want any of those symbols in there. Like, I did not want to see a moon. I did not want to see flowers. I did not want to see a vagina. None of that. And so um, she actually created this logo with like the two little like blots literally their blots over the o and and i fell in love with the way like the letters were super long and it was more like aesthetic to me than anything but i also felt like it really spoke to what i was looking for in the visual aspect of the brand and then i also didn't want it to be like the same colors that everyone uses like this like dark red and or super pink all the time or yeah so I just really felt like she got what I wanted and then like um I guess in the communication I just try to keep it very chill and jovial sometimes like I want to make it feel like you're talking to your best friend because I was like if people are so scared to talk about periods I want to create that connection with language as well like Mm. I'm literally talking to you I'm talking I'm not talking formally I'm not like you know sometimes I make spelling mistakes which I'm a little bit embarrassed about but I'm like (laughs) I I don't even care anymore like this is a human being and that's what I also wanted to make it feel like it's very human and there's a human behind it and humans behind it and it's a human using it too and so I think all of that just kind of played into what it is right now and I really enjoy like talking through blood because as I said in my newsletter um I think blood is becoming more me every day um but you know I have to look out for myself too and I have to feel comfortable being you know behind the brand and so 
it has become very enjoyable for me to talk like that and to communicate like that and joke about it and create these reels where I'm like really bad acting but (laughs) but I laugh at it and I have fun with it and I just think that's I could not have asked for anything better at least now that I'm just beginning yeah Yeah. and when you first started you didn't want to be a hundred percent related to the brand remember that yeah um you wanted to be a little bit more detached you didn't want to necessarily be like because you're not the expert in all of these topics you're not an expert even in just menstruation like you know like you didn't want to have even that burden also to carry for society to be like oh shit like am i going to be the new face of like menstruation like (laughs) that's that's not something that i want Mm -hmm. and slowly in the process as you as you were starting to tell the story of blot and what was coming down the pipeline and what was the process that you were going through while creating blot because the blots were in the making when Somos Blot was created on Instagram and when the newsletter started. And I think it was just a little bit of almost making like a disassociation exercise of, yes, you may be the face of the brand right now, but it doesn't mean that you're an expert in bleeding from body like vaginas you know like this is just not something that you're an expert in but it doesn't mean that just like you just like me just like anybody who menstruates doesn't mean that they can't be in the part of the conversation because at the end of the day like you bleed so you do get to say things and you do get to share things and you happen to have created this product that is helping all of us that is I think that more than the product that you've created that's helping all of us, it's you're creating a messaging, a brand, and almost a foundation for other brands and other entrepreneurs to understand why should you push yourself to put yourself behind your brand? Mm -hmm. How can you do it? How can it be jovial, like you called it? You know, I remember... You know, just a few posts that I have at the top of my head, like the one where you showed all the underwears that you always use to have the stains, right? Mm-hmm. We always have that underwear drawer that's like, oh, these are the underwears you use on your period because they can get stained, you yeah. know? You have another post that it's like, oh, you're able to see this and this and this and this. And it's mm-hmm. all these like massacre, you know, like <laughs> everybody's watching Squid Games, but you're telling me yeah. nobody can talk about their goddamn period. Like, yeah, what is it's this? Insane. Like, you can't imagine a vagina bleeding like close your eyes imagine envision the latest vagina you've seen it's bleeding you know it's not like yeah. it's like you would major in my boyfriend like he's like oh wait so like it's not that you guys like it's not like you like open your legs and just blood like gushes out yeah. it's like no like it's not that way like yeah. he's like so why are you like because like i was like cleaning the bathroom or something and i was like in my period and i was like naked and he was like how is it like how are you not bleeding everywhere <laughs> yeah. like what is happening and it's like it doesn't explode exactly (laughs) and i'm like i don't know and like when you get in the pool it just happens you happen not to bleed i don't know man like the body's weird like and i was trying to explain it to him like how it worked and even we were talking about how do you do like the ads for not paid ads but like just like how do you communicate like blood and we don't want to we didn't want to do the same thing that everybody does it shows like a little pad and it's like this blue thing on the purple thing it's like no like our blood's not like blue or watery like you know it's like what is that consistency you know you were playing with like the little like how do you make it a little bit more gooey than just like 
you know, water coming it's down. It's not the easy. Pipe. Yeah. And, and be <laughs> realistic <make> <laughs> and, and share things as you experience them as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think that there is so much of lot that is not just you, but it's so much of what you wanted to see yeah. in other brands. And you pushed yourself to create a brand that had size inclusiveness, that talks about body neutrality, not mm -hmm. body positivity, that talks about, you know, people who menstruate it's not just yeah. women who menstruate um and talking about menstruacion not yeah. talking about you know la luna or la flor or mm -hmm. nisqueo me enferme you're talking about you know just bleeding once a yeah. month we all have it and it's like a risky territory too to be in right now because there's a lot of expectations once you get into that arena. Like once you decide that that's who you're going to be as a brand. I've noticed like, you know, I've only done one publicity campaign, which was the launch. But <laughs> like, you know, there's a complaint out there too that, you know, now that there's so many period products being made in Ecuador, there's not enough inclusivity yeah. in their publicity and in the way they address the people that menstruate, etc. And so it's a long journey and it's a huge learning process. And I'm not, you know, it's a huge burden to carry as well. Like it's a load because I try to do it right every time, but sometimes I get it wrong. Like it's, I don't know. I think it's also a matter of time. Like you need to cover all these parts of society, all these members of society and you want to do it, but you don't have like, you know, all the money in the world to do it or all the contacts even to do it. And when I heard, when I read that complaint, I was like, oh my gosh, I need, I need to do like a campaign with, you know, non-binary people, trans people. Like I, I just like started, you know, my brain just started going everywhere and so yeah I think it's like a huge responsibility to decide to do that it's necessary and I feel really happy learning about it too mm -hmm. and admitting that I am not perfect at it and that I will get to do it because I've seen brands do it all around the world and it's definitely a motivation like watching you know underwear campaigns with disabled people like yes. that is so important it's so 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 important I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like my friends wish you would make panties for their contention problems I, I told you about it I was like juicy you vaginas man too. yeah and like that it, there's so many members of society that I have yet to cover and to include and to represent And it's it's like this open field and I love it. And I think it's really necessary, especially here in Ecuador, because, you know, when I showed the the launch campaign to my dad the first mm -hmm. time, he was like shocked because in his mind, like underwear models have to have a certain type of body. Yes. And he was like, oh, like you included different body types. And I was like, <laughs> yes, dad, I did. He's like oh, that's good. That's good because it includes everybody. And I was like, yes, dad, that's how it works. <laughs> um, but in his brain, there's a certain way of how it should be. And so, you know, 
he is not the only one. And so the majority thinks like that. And we have to break that. And it happens little by little, but it has to happen yeah. at some point. <laughs> and I, I would love to talk a little bit more about like that burden that you spoke about. Like the, I think, of course, there's always things that you can do better and there's things that could have been done better, whatever it is. But I want to talk a little bit about the burden that comes with setting a standard i feel like yeah. almost if you hadn't set a standard of being an inclusive brand that pushes yourself you know i could even say you know you only run until double xl yeah. you know you could go higher you could yeah. go bigger um and the you know they like old navy for example old navy just created the whole body quality campaign and they're mm -hmm. one of the first stores in the united states who actually carry in store sizes zero to i think it's 24 mm -hmm. um there's actual mannequins that go from oh, zero amazing. to wow. big um they prices are not different um uh, plus size the fact that we call them plus size is just a thing on its own but plus size clothing has always been more expensive because mm. quote unquote you use more fabric but that's just bullshit you're just being more discriminatory, discriminatory to always yeah. a group of people. And why do we have to shop in a plus size section? I'm a size 12 to 14. An average woman in the United States is a size 14 to 16. Yeah. Like, and I still struggle so hard with even buying clothes. And don't, don't even get me started with Ecuador. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't even think I could even walk into a mall and find, like, I think I was telling my mom and I'm like, wow, like, no wonder I always thought I was so fat because the way I was born, the way my body was born and created and, mm -hmm. you know, on top of all the trauma and all the things. And I was never able to fit into like, you know, a little girl's like bra because yeah. Ecuador sizing is so much more like so much smaller than the rest of the world and yeah. you always go to the states because in the states there's chubbier kids so that's where you'll actually be able to find you know a kid size 10 at probably all navy which yeah. is where we all used to kind of like shop mm -hmm. like i was never able to wear a hollister i was never able to wear abercrombie yeah. I, I never fit into those like maybe a hoodie mm -hmm. you know and i just wanted to talk to you about that burden that comes with being inclusive and 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 pushing yourself to even our own standards and our yeah. own stigmas and our own prejudices yeah um yeah just what does that what does that feel as mm -hmm. like a founder and a creator of a brand that really you want to push the envelope but also the burden that comes from having to hold that space i guess yeah. and almost feel lonely right there's not many yeah. out there it's i think i made a mistake by calling it a burden <laughs> okay tell but me more yeah because now that i'm 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 listening to it i think calling it a burden means that it takes a huge effort to do and that's not true mm. that's just in our minds i think when mm. we gave you the prototype and you told us the xl doesn't fit me yeah we had that conversation with norma that i'm sure every single brand has which is bodies in Ecuador are really small, mm. you know, generally really small. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is not true. And when you told us that it didn't fit, I was like, 
I don't want to be the one to say we don't run your size. Mm. Like I don't want to recreate the Mean Girls scene where they're like, you could try Sears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, I do not want to be that brand. And at first, I was like, oh my god, is it gonna take another year to like develop another size? <laughs> and it was like it literally took five minutes. Mm. And that's why I'm saying like, it's not a burden because scaling up sizes does not take millions of years or millions of dollars. And I mean, maybe for some brands it does for huge brands, maybe, but it's not a, it's not an effort that you can't make mm-hmm. and including more people in your publicity is a not impossible mm-hmm. and it's not super difficult. You just need to be open about it and say what you're looking for, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think it's a challenge maybe mm. like sometimes it's a challenge like when I read about the lack of representation of trans people and non-binary people in period products made in Ecuador, I was like, how do I get a, like a non-binary person to model for me if I don't know anybody, you mm. know, because things here move a lot through contacts and through the friend of a friend and like so it's like oh my god how am I gonna do that like do I just literally post on Instagram like hi I'm looking for non-binary people who want to model for my brand and I'm like why is it so wrong (laughs) like I see other brands do it they literally like make call out for certain types of people because that's what they want to portray and like you know maybe we just have to give that first step yeah. And we're too afraid to do it because we're afraid to be judged. And maybe that's why I called it a burden because I feel like all eyes are on you, you know, yeah. <laughs> by the people who care about it. And it's important that they are looking at you because then and they're holding you accountable. Yeah, exactly. Like you're responsible for something now and you better do your homework right. And it's not that hard, but you have to do the effort. And so you're being watched and maybe that pressure is good nowadays it just feels like a lot especially when I'm doing it on my own I'm like I'm so bound to make mistakes in the process and I'm like oh what if I make a huge mistake and so that's why I lean on to making my brand very like human and very clear that it's me behind this and that I will make mistakes and that I make mistakes every day so you know, if I do, I'm sorry, but I'm trying my best. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And you're holding yourself accountable. Yeah. Well, well, well. Thank you so much for listening to part two of my conversation with Carlos Sotomayor, the founder and creative of Blot. I cannot wait for you to listen to part three. And please don't forget that you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can read our show notes on take3studio.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at Take3Talks. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you for listening and supporting me, my dreams, and my June and Guillermo's. Bye-bye. Bye, friends.